I'm Clint Emerson, and welcome to season two of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Can You Survive This Podcast. Today, I've got a guy who's been in the martial arts, self-defense, defensive tactics, combatives industry for over four fucking decades. Jesus, he's older than Santa Claus. He is the creator of Spear, a complete self-defense program that blends physiology, physics, and psychology to improve personal safety. He is also the designer of High Gear, which makes official impact reduction scenario training and gear uh, even more realistic because you can actually punch each other and hit each other as hard as you want. And he's also host of No Fear Podcast, and that is no as in K-N-O, like have a knowledge of fear and you will survive. Today, we have Tony Blauer, Coach Tony Blauer. Welcome to the show, buddy. Dude, how are you? Good to see you again. <laughs> Good seeing you, man. You're in your uh, little home fighting center there, I see. Yeah, listen, uh, the uh, I live in California, so I don't need a garage for cars. So I just like turned my my garage into a freaking gym that's got everything in it. So yeah, those it's a cool little place. I've been there. And uh, those bobs, those bobs get a lot of attention across the world, don't they? They, they do, you know, uh, uh, century sent me these and I wasn't like a big fan. I'd, I'd never had them before. And, uh, uh, they sent me these and I'm freaking loving them. Like what you can, what you can, you can't, you can't do to a human, what you can do to this. So if, if you're creative in your training, uh, it takes it to, uh, it really can take it to the next level as, as you've experienced and like some of the amazing, uh, footage from uh, hundred deadly skills. Yeah. Yeah. No. And there's those things. I mean, they take, they literally take a beating and keep on going. <laughs> they, yeah. well, I've yeah. shot them throwing stars, knives, yeah. you know, you can do whatever you want to them and you, if, and they're, it's not like you have to throw it away. It's, it's usable so over and over. There's, again. there's, you know, you're, you're mentioning high gear. So one of the things, you know, with, with high gears, you can do like reps on headbutts and elbows and eye gouges, but on a moving person where if you didn't have the, the helmet on or the chest guard on, you might get one rep and then it's like, oh shit, I need to rest. And yeah. then doing that on Bob is like 10 X that because, because Bob never needs, you know, to take a rest. That's but, right. You know, the, the thing for anybody who's considering getting one, uh, is, uh, you, you gotta be creative because no opponent is just going to stand there and let you wail on them. They're going to fucking move. Yeah. Yeah. You got to assume they're punching you, throwing something at you or whatever in the middle of your drills. Right. Yeah. Um, Okay, so, you know, as you know, we get into a little bit of a rapid fire to kick this thing up and get us warmed up. Um, I'll give you two choices, and then we'll circle back around to the why. All right, so here we go. Um, and some of these are tailored to you, and some of them are very basic because I never assume my listeners know everything from the get-go, or they shouldn't at least. All right, fight or flight? Let's go with fight. <laughs> um, palm or fist? Palm. Knee or elbow? Elbow. John Wick or Jason Bourne? Mm. 
Uh, wick for the wrong reasons <laughs> wick for the wrong reasons i know i'm with you uh west coast or east coast west coast yeah offense or defense uh offense uh knockout or choke them out knockout knockout summer or winter mm, summer well where you live it's yeah we'll get into that um mom or dad Mom. Uh, Santa or Miss Claus, since it's uh, that time of year. Uh, <laughs> damn. Uh, is this an orgy? Uh, Santa. <laughs> Santa. Uh, Santa. Yes. Yeah. You pick Santa with orgy. Okay. Um, yeah. Awesome. Love it. Okay. Circling back around fight or flight. You pick fight. I think I know why, but go for it. Yeah. So uh, a short, deep answer. We need, in my years of studying violence, fear, and aggression, the people who manage their fear manage to fight. And so whether you choose to run, because that's the safest thing, or you choose to charge the threat, uh, you need to first choose that you're going to fight. And then you yeah. can make an intelligent decision. So a little, a little bit more philosophical than just most people are probably thinking fight or flight in terms of I'm going to run away or run, you know, and, and get into it. Mm. But it's it's a, a little bit more deeper in the psychology. Here. Yeah. And we'll we'll dive into that for sure, because you are the pro and expert at that stuff. Um, palm fist. You picked palm. Yep. Uh, most broken, sprained, bruised part of every every cop, every street fighter, MMA fighters, boxers always have hand fractures, cracks. And that's like, you know, with wraps on and stuff like that. So I teach all my students and I love boxing. I mean, I still, mm -hmm. I still do stuff, but you know, I've, I've broken my hand, my knuckles sprayed my wrist. So open palm for, uh, for self-defense also, you know, that ties into, you know, the startle flinch conversion that if I scare somebody or somebody scares me, I don't go, Ooh, and with my hands up, the hands are always open when you're pushing away danger so why not convert right from there that's right yeah and I, I always compare i always ask people like what would you rather do palm a brick wall or punch with a fist a brick wall and everyone will always answer the same right. and the reason being is because if you've been around long enough you know that a fist against a brick wall hurts and yeah. it will break something <laughs> whereas a palm strike won't that's a really good visual that's a really good visual i will i will use that and credit you yeah thanks and the last thing you want to do is you know injure yourself in the middle of a life or death situation well, well that's well that's the, that's the thing man if you, you you throw that shot you know you're fighting a guy look at you know your background you get jumped and and maybe you got weapons on you and this guy's wrestling over your long gun and you go crack and he flinches and you hit his helmet or his elbow and you break which if you're going to nail somebody in an emotional fight you're always going to throw your dominant hand yeah there's also your shooting hand yeah so and why would done. you, you know, why would you injure your shooting hand that in a confrontation that might escalate to deadly force? That's right. You know your stuff. All right, uh, John Wick versus Jason Bourne. You picked John Wick for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, so I love like the Bourne stuff because it's this the spy thriller and and yeah. the, I, I think being a martial artist for, for for over 50 years now, you said I was older than Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I was around when we were coming up with, hey, let's scam people Christmas. We need like a hero. Let's call him Santa. So I was there when we designed Santa Claus. That's a whole <laughs> but, but the, uh, um, as a lifelong martial artist, we want 
what John Wick does with a gun, with his jujitsu, with his kicks and elbows. We want it to be real. Yeah. There's zero evidence. There's zero evidence that anybody can move like that during real violence. But we can still sit there and go, oh, wow, that was fucking cool. You know, so the, like the the uh, uh, I was talking about, hey, there's the fantasy and then there's the facts. Yeah. So John Wick for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys, the, the moves and the choreography, you know, it's choreography, not fighting. Right. I think we both know. And and, uh, you know fantasy versus you know what's realistic i think you're dead on especially like jason Bourne. it's a five minute fight scene in a bathroom stall uh and anyone who's fought long enough knows that five minutes uh yeah that's a that's a very long time <laughs> john brought me on to that show he was doing where they were analyzing uh, uh i don't know if you ever saw any of those oh yeah yeah they i saw analyze, you know fight scenes so so you know I had, as, as you know, I had worked with, with Don when, when he was in the teams and he brought me on. We did uh, a recreation of Saving Private Ryan, showing the fingers played outside 90 with the, the Nazi. And so we did the, we showed that fight scene and then we did, and then we broke down or he broke down a, a Jason Bourne fight scene. Mm-hmm. The guys who did that, like, that's fun choreography too. It's yeah. just, you know, but you're right. Like, like a real violent encounter, mano a mano is 20 seconds. Yeah. Um, and it's you know, sloppy. With, and, and if it's going on longer than that, maybe psychologically you're sparring with with the bad guy. But real violence is fucking fast, as you know. Yeah, it's ugly. It's fast and it's ugly. It never yeah. looks that cool. Um, all right. West Coast, East Coast. This is just lending torque. You yeah. pick well, the I West. The, I grew up on the East Coast. So, you know, I grew up and, and uh, as a kid, I always uh, I grew up in the 60s. And, and, uh, so I grew up on like the green horn and Maddox and streets of San Francisco and all these TV shows. And I had this fascination with, uh, uh, fight choreography and fighting and action movies. And I just always wanted to get to California because of that. I think it really Mm -hmm. influenced me. So I, I've grown up, I was a competitive skier. I've, I've done decades of snow and and cold and so it was the west coast and it was always a dream so you know here i am not for the politics or the taxes but really for the scenery and the weather yeah you can't beat it that's that's for damn sure you got the ocean the mountains right there all in one spot it's beautiful and yeah you're in your uh you know what in between la and san diego right uh yeah kind of uh a little bit closer to san diego i'm in like the encinitas carlsbad area it's uh it's beautiful you know la jolla uh, yeah Lamar. It's really, it's really neat. Traffic for me is, uh, honey, I'm going to be like, uh, 30, 40 seconds late. There's traffic here. Like, it's just a really quiet beachy area. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. I like it. Um, offense, defense, you picked offense. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you know me, I like to go deep. I like to be uh, provocative uh, yeah. and, and I look at defense as a subordinate position. There's times that you need to be protective. So like in our language, in our system, we talk about uh, protective and preemptive. Mm -hmm. We don't use the word uh, offense or defense. Uh, Even to the point, you know, I do a lot of work with with, uh, law enforcement, military. So we're also very careful of languaging that might show up in an after action. And, and there's a big difference psychologically. If I say my, my anticipatory self-defense maneuver allowed me to preemptively 
versus, yeah, I went on offense. Oh, so you were on offense. So like, you know, like it's just like the semantics of it. It's fucking bullshit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's such... uh, 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 you know uh, amplify that with the cancel culture. And did you say this in, you know, in, in yeah. 1980? And so, so uh, I always think, I always think that offense, the thinking, again, this, this is like my uh, fight flight analysis. It's just a different psychological. It's like that 30,000 foot as opposed to 10,000. When I think offense also includes preemptive, protective, uh, uh, and, and so the offensive mindset might say, let's barricade now. Well, that mm-hmm. might not sound offensive, but if offensive philosophically is we need to win, you know, the, the, the war, not just this battle, you know, what is like offensive mindset for me is, is proactive. Yeah, I like that. And, it, you know, unfortunately, you have lawyers and uh, that's right. why you have to change the language so that you uh, you don't look like the bad guy when you're being a good guy. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. Um, all right. And then we got knockout or choke them out. You go with the knockout. Yeah. So so um, if I if you and I were, were, were talking and I'm like, you know, hey, listen, listen, and I hit you. I know right away from that movement when i clip you i know if you're going down if you're hurt if i broke my hand if i i know right away yeah but uh if i need to do this spin you get behind you get here do this like there's always four or five biomechanic shifts for any type of submission mm-hmm. that's five additional stages i can knock you out in a flash with a you know uh, 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 you know, I, I go here, go, you know, that's open hands. I can be here and hit the guy here, maybe break my hand. I know right away if I hit the guy, but if I got to go, oh, you know, here, be this. is he stabbing <laughs> yeah. me in my nuts here? Is he grabbing my nuts? Is he shooting me in the foot? Is he now? Let me say that before I have a bunch of uh jujitsu guys come choke me out. <laughs> uh, yeah i love jujitsu and i'm friends with a lot of the, some of the best fighters in the world right uh and and i and i train jujitsu when my schedule uh uh permits but what i tell guys is to choke somebody out if it's behind them or in front of them you need to tie up both your blocking and striking tools and yeah. if I'm in a multiple sailing situation, or I need to transition to a knife or a gun or, or make a call. And I'm here like this. And I love choking people out, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I don't like when it's done to me. But, um, but you know, you know, my system, it's about, it's about you know, yeah. enhancing the safety of, of real people and real violent encounters. Uh, and, and so if I look at a matrix of timeline, like I want my feedback right away, mm-hmm. you know. So imagine you're in a gunfight and 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 someone said you can use this bullet, and it, and if you and if you hit the right spot, you'll know right away. Or this bullet, but you got to shoot them five times, and it's got to be in the same target. You're like, whoa! Like that's a lot. That's a lot of time over there because I might have other shit going on. So I just like really simply, it's four or five bomb mechanics to do any submission, um, and and there's a time and a place. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 
uh, you can't always, and I'm just answering big picture. Yeah. There's lot, there's lots of times where the moral, ethical, legal thing to do would be to restrain somebody. And so people need to have both skill sets, but you didn't ask me that. You asked me <laughs> something, you know, me yeah. and my, like, it's never a simple answer. There's no. Little- and that's okay. That's where people learn. Cause you've got great long answers and that's, uh, that's the whole point. And, uh, you know, to compliment it, like the knockout, like you said, it's, it's, a it, you either, you either got it or you didn't, you know what you're going to do next. Right? right. If you, you knocked them out, you're, you're creating space, running the other direction, getting yourself off the X. Yeah. If you didn't, then you probably should follow up with something else so that you can create distance and get off the X, you know? Yeah. Um, and I agree with choking out. I mean, Jesus, like I tell people all the time, you know, how many times you watch these videos online where it starts out as a one-on-one fight until every until the two people go to the ground. Once they're on the ground, then there's other people, whether they're with the group, yeah. the two guys or not, they like just people want to kick you in the ribs, kick you in the head. And they might not even be with the person that you're fighting with, you know? Yeah. So where there is one, there is always many, not just maybe there is, it's either opportunistic predators in the crowd that just want to kick somebody in the face because, you know, they want to look cool. Um, or, you know, where there's one, there's many because there's a group of them and you didn't pay attention enough and you're going to find out the hard way once you end up on the ground. More with martial arts, badass Tony Blower after the break. You made me think of something I really yeah. want to get for your listeners here. Uh, w- when you practice something over and over again, you create a, a, a dopamine-inspired relationship with that movement. Meaning every time you work on, let's say, that cross and you get really good, yeah, my overhand right, my over, you're creating like a love affair with that move. That's yeah. my go-to move. Same thing with a rear strangle, same thing with an arm bar, same thing. And so when when we're running our courses we 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 ask every student to memorize this question what is the scenario because the, the scenario informs exactly what you need to be thinking in terms of the moral ethical legal so for example if you say what is the scenario and the scenario is a jiu jitsu tournament then mm-hmm. you're not allowed to strike if what is the scenario is it's an mma fight then you're allowed to strike and you need to have both skills. You need to be a striker and you need to be a grappler in a a perfect world. If you're a police officer and uh, you're, uh, uh, you know, pulling somebody who's driving drunk out of a car and he gets belligerent, your ability to, to manipulate that person and restrain them becomes your asset where striking the person at that point might look like excessive force or negligence. So it depends on the scenario, and then you yeah. need to reverse engineer the arsenal uh, and skill set you need. Yep. Yeah, and you know, once again, I think training to worst case scenario means okay, I might end up on the ground. Well, then you better have mm-hmm. some jujitsu skills, but it knowing that it's the last place you want to go. So that's why you want to work on your striking skills. <laughs> um, all right. Summer, winter, you pick summer. You already mentioned yeah. you kind of grew up in the snow. So yeah, I grew up in the snow um, and, and uh, you know, lived through long, long, long Canadian winters. Uh, uh, can you survive this winter? Crazy, you know, crazy winter. So uh, I, I, I love the beach. I love the sun. I, now I'm at an age where if I want like snow 
I'll go there where I can leave. <laughs> let's go, <laughs> yeah. let's go, let's go skiing or let's go, let's go here. Yeah. Or so, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, mom or dad, you pick mom. Yeah. My mom just passed away a couple of weeks ago. So that was an easy one. And, oh shit. Uh, Sorry. Sorry yeah, to hear that buddy. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the, intentional. Uh, yeah, no, no, it was. Uh, it was pretty heavy. <laughs> I, I had no what, idea. It, it 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 hit me way harder than I thought uh, it would. Not that like it, it's one of those things where you know you can't visualize like that day. Like like you and I understand the importance of stress inoculation and scenarios, and you're visualizing. Okay, what's going to go on here? What can happen? Can we train mm -hmm. for this? And so for those of you out there, if you get your parents still alive, uh, it, it's, it's a heavy thing and, and, and spend time with them, even if you're not close with them, because, uh, you know, life happens really fast. Death happens even faster. And it's a, it's a fucking kick in the nuts. Um, mm -hmm. and I, and I wasn't, uh, uh, having said that in retrospect, I was not very close with my dad, but I was close with my mom. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. I, um, I I, yeah, I had the same, uh, let's see, my mom passed away. It's been a couple of years now, but, uh, same deal. Like I'm glad that we were number one, getting along number because yeah. we, we definitely had our history <laughs> and our battles. Yeah. Um, but we were getting along, we we're communicating on a regular basis. And, uh, and I was glad that those, those little things were in place. And I tell people all the time, the things that annoy you the most will be the things you miss the most. And it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's true. Like she used to drive me nuts, but I would take that any day of the week than not have right. it at all. Back, like, yeah. yeah. Like it is now. Um, yeah. Moms are cool. All right. Santa or Ms. Claus, you pick Santa for your orgy, which I think is really strange. Um, well, it wasn't, it was more asking about the orgy because if it was, I mean, is the orgy with the elves or with Miss Santa? Like, what's going on? Are you there filming? Um, I, it's kind of a, a, a goofy one. I mean, if Santa's in charge of the presence, then, then I want a relationship with Santa, you know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But I, I have not, yeah, I don't know. Would you be on the naughty list or not? I don't, you kind of come off um, as maybe a naughty I, list guy. I, I listen, I'm banned and I'm shadow banned on Instagram and Facebook. So I guess. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 You are. You're in the liberal Santa Claus naughty list. Got it. <laughs> um, well, to open up, you know, I've seen, I've always been curious. You've got, you know, on your different social media accounts, over the years, the, the 60, 70, 80 years you've been doing this, <laughs> the, uh, um, you've got pictures with some celebrities. Yes. Sir. And, uh, and I'm curious, out of all the celebrities you've worked with, which ones are genuine badasses? Um, which ones impressed you? Been like, oh, this guy actually, you know, this guy's actually good to go. You know, someone asked me, I'm going to redirect uh, slightly, yeah. you know. Who, who uh, it was actually an interview for Slate magazine years ago, um, uh, who I thought would win in a fight. Uh, Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, or Jackie Chan. Oh, wow. And I said Jackie Chan. And the guy was like surprised because he's like the small, like little, you know, comic comedian. I said, because he did all his own stunts. He's that insane that he'll go, y'all jump off that building here. 
I'll, I, and then I'll, I'll go through that here. Oh, I fell on and broke my leg, put a cast on. You know, I don't know if you know that story where he painted a cast to finish some scenes. He painted a cast uh, with like the, his running shoe because he fucked up his ankle or his foot, but wanted to, they couldn't stop production. So he continued doing all the stunts, a couple of stunts, like with a cast on. Wow. And an so I just said like, he's a legit martial artist, but anyone that fucking crazy is, <laughs> yeah. way, is way is way more is way more dangerous so um a, a lot of a lot of the um a lot of these people you know like i didn't get to know guys well enough to know their like what makes somebody dangerous isn't their skill it's their mindset yeah so you know they're mindset when I look at like Stallone and, and having spent some time with him, like on Rocky five and, and, you know, like if you push somebody and you push the right button, everyone's dangerous, mm -hmm. um, you know, but Stallone loved boxing uh, and, and, and really, you know, but years ago, you remember Robert Conrad? Yeah. So Robert Conrad, the original wild, wild west. Right. You know, uh, I stunt doubled him on a film in when in, in Montreal, when I lived in Montreal. And then uh, uh, I had I had met and spent some time with Sugar Ray Leonard. This is like back in. I don't even know if you were born then. It was 1980. <laughs> uh, and uh, but but Leonard had given me a shirt you couldn't buy anywhere. It was from his his boxing company called Franklin Boxing. And you couldn't buy this shirt. It was like a team shirt. So I knew that Robert Conrad loved boxing. So I wore that shirt on the set one day because I mean, he was a childhood hero. My childhood heroes were Bruce Lee. Uh, uh, and then as I got older, teenager Stallone from Rocky, the original Rocky, 1976, 60. Yeah. And, uh, and Robert Conrad, who I grew up on. And this is mind boggling. I, I, met all of them but not just hey can you sign this like spent time with all of them got to talk got to say to them your characters and your behavior and your athleticism had an impression on me and and part of who i am today is because of 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 what you did of all those guys robert conrad like if you had everyone in their prime everyone's 30 years old robert conrad would probably fuck everyone up because a lot of people don't know this he also was a martial artist and he was a semi-pro boxer. Hmm. He, he was a stuntman who, who uh, the guy who was starring in the original Wild Wild West got injured or sick or whatever. And he was just a stuntman there. And they were like, fuck the whole set. And, and he was like, I can do his lines. I can do it. Wow. And he, like he got his, but he, he, when he saw the shirt, he comes up to me and he says, uh, he goes, uh, points to the shirt. He goes, do you have a gym? I go, yeah. He says, you have any heavy bags? I said, 10 and a ring. He said, I'll be there tomorrow, 6 a.m. And, <laughs> and, you know, so, uh, I, I got to know him. We, and we be, and we became friends. We were friends for years. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah he's, a he's, he's like a, like a street fighter. Like, like he'd fuck you up, you know? Right. He's got that killer instinct. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I think a good place to start off as it relates to you know, what you do, uh, is the reason why I put you number one in Hunter Deli skills, combat edition, 
but also the reason why I put you up front. And uh, because when you travel the country and you hang out with all of these different badasses like I did to put this book together, um, you realize very quickly that almost everyone is speaking the Tony Blower philosophy. Now, they may not always give you credit, but <laughs> it was uh, it was very apparent that it was your curriculum to a certain degree, maybe modified nomenclature changed here and there, but, um, and it all starts with the nonviolent posture, right. And, uh, weaponizing, uh, innocence really, or you're weaponizing a, a look that if cameras are rolling, if witnesses are watching, uh, you don't look like the aggressor. You put your hands up or you can, like you said, it's whatever you train to. Your nonviolent posture is whatever you train to. So let's kick off there. I mean, I put it first thing in the book because it was that important because it sets every reader up of, of combat edition um, with the right mindset and at least that introductory set of skills that then apply to everything else in the book. Um and so let's go through that in sure. how you, you've been putting it out for years, but uh, yeah, pretend you're talking to uh, to a new guy. Well, I'm yeah, a new guy. Great. Well, uh, first off, uh, I'm flattered and honored that that you reached out and had me in there. Uh, very excited that um, that we did that. Grateful, yeah. grateful that you recognize that that you know there there were several people in there that I actually physically trained and and know you know and have known yeah. for, for years um uh the uh but but that you put it first in the book not because you go well let's let's go by age okay tony's first. Like, <laughs> um, yeah uh best looking yeah right uh height tallest no okay back in <laughs> um i thought he'd be bigger right roadhouse um <laughs> Um, but you put it in there because there's a there's a moral, ethical, legal truth to that. Yeah. There's a tactical truth to that. Yep. The moral, ethical, legal is 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 force should always parallel danger, and and we should always be trying to avoid violence. Mm -hmm. Now, if you find yourself in a situation where it is less safe to turn your back and ignore it, then it's a choiceless choice, and you need to do it. Do something. The worst thing that anyone can do is let their opponent know that they know that they know that he knows that, you know, <laughs> like now everyone knows. So the mistake, like if your neural patterns, which is the correct term for there's no such thing as muscle memory in the literal sense. If your neural patterns are like like you and I start to have an argument and I'm here like this and I'm, and I'm talking to you and all of a sudden I go, listen, man, I don't want to fight you. Right. And I and I shift into a stance or I go, I don't want to fight you. And I hit the karate kid stance or or I, I'm getting ready. <laughs> yeah. I'm betraying I'm betraying the element of surprise. So this all started with this idea of never betray the element of surprise that that the 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 suddenness, the opportunity for you to move. Can be and should be shrouded in what we call a trojan horse metaphor and that's and that's the whole idea that uh let's say i'm hanging out here i'm talking i got my hands on my on my legs here i'll move back a little bit and i'm talking 
uh, to somebody here. And some guy walks up behind me, puts his arm on my shoulder and says, hey, fucker, you know, you and I have a problem. Let's go right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the typical macho fear based response would be get your fucking hands off me, man. And we betray the element of surprise. Or it's like, well, you got a problem and you stand up and the fucking furniture goes flying. Right. So my yeah. whole thing is this idea of everything is a nonviolent posture if you've thought about how to fight from that position. So if I've got a guy leaning over here and I'm up in this position, how can I from here, if he's leaning over, fire that elbow up into a sternum, solar plexus, throat, chin, right? And you actually have to practice that. Like most people develop explosive speed from like moving their fast twitch muscle fibers. But look at the speed that that elbow takes off from. Imagine you're leaning over talking and I go whack and their shot comes up. Now, even if I don't hit you that hard, boom, now I'm up and maybe I've got a bottle in my hand or I'm getting out my knife or because in this scenario, this is like a John Wick. I'm about to get taken out and get murdered, right? They don't want to do it here with witnesses. I'm making this a little cartoony or dramatic, but I want people to see that the moment you you uh, adopt even in our, at a non-conscious level, you adopt some sort of fighting stance, you betray the element of surprise. And so we created a whole system, the classic ones that I showed, you know, for you guys. Uh, I don't know if we went through, I think we only went through the, the submissive negotiation position, but there's four classic ones that we teach in our garage gym program, this online stuff that I do, and in our courses, right? Hands on hips, arms crossed, half negotiator, full negotiator. Each one of them is congruent with a different phase in most conversations. You know, I'm talking to you and I'm going, hey, come on, man, Clint, you start to move closer. And I'm like, dude, you know, like, hey, that's close enough. And I'm, what I'm actually doing is locking and loading a weapon system. Like how far is this from this or this from this or whatever your default is that if I, I'm using it in the exact same way, Clint, you would never open the door and step in first, you'd always throw a flashbang in. So the flashbang w- was designed to create a smoke screen for the entry. So if I'm standing in front of you and I'm, I'm in this position here and I'm talking and then all of a sudden imminent becomes immediate and I realize I got to go now, I'm like, well, listen, wow, I'm on the guy. There's that palm strike right off of that nonviolent posture. So there's a moral, ethical, legal foundation to it and very much a strategic and tactical application. Can I lock and load my uh, personal uh, close quarter tools, prime my my nervous system, uh, stimulate my fast twitch muscle fibers, while I got a whole bunch of tourists doing this, filming the fight, and what they see is one guy going, hey, no, like, like this, and then all of a sudden something happens and they're like, we know who the aggressor is. We know who the person trying to talk the person down. But the whole time there, it, 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 like it's all tactical. Yeah. And so, I mean, I can go deeper, but that was pretty, that was, I think, pretty. No, that was good. It's, uh, I think, for anyone just kind of learning about Tony or hearing this stuff, it, it, the best example that you gave, and I don't know if you, I don't think you said it yet, but it's a Trojan horse, right? Yeah. It's a del- it's a delivery system. You to the outside to that camera or to that witness. It looks like you're complying. You're like, "And you're you're de-escalating because your right. hands are up. Hey, I don't want any trouble. You're using the right language both verbally 
and body language, combine those together. It's a Trojan horse that when something does happen, you're ready because that's what you've been training to is that position that you, that negotiation hands up. Hey, 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 I don't want any trouble, which is super cool. And, uh, it's, it's, I think when we were together and I was interviewing you, you said something like, it's kind of like the, uh, what was it? Cause it's, it's common sense, but it's not, it's like, yeah, yeah. I use the term un- uncommon sense. Yeah. Un- it's uncommon sense. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and here's the thing. And, and so everything in my system, why we call it human weapon system is everyone's a human weapon, whether you realize it or not, that yeah. if I, if I walk up to an untrained person and I go, you, the untrained person's going to go, Whoa, what fuck you. What, what did I do? What did I do? And they're going to go yeah. fingers played outside 90. They're going to hit this. What's going on? So this idea inspired by that is, well, what if a trained person did that too? That's the Trojan horse. So the Trojan horse metaphor for people who are, are uh, un- unsure of what the connection, excuse me, what the connection is. You remember the myth and story of the Trojan horse, you know, big wooden horse outside the compound. Nobody's guarding it. Soldiers open the gate. They pull it in there and then hidden inside the belly of the horse is is the the opposing force and they sneak out and and take over the village and kill everybody and blah 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 so the idea here is trojan horses i don't want my opponent to see the warrior inside the horse i just want them to go there's nobody here protecting this and and now they're overconfident so we're seducing the psychology of the person i could stand here and go man i don't want to fight yeah. Or I go, hey man, I don't want to fight. And and as we discussed before, palm strike versus versus fist. Right. You know, like I'm I'm right there. But the connection uh has to be made that trained or untrained people, when a stimulus is introduced too quickly, could be emotional and it could be it could be physical, the body wants to do this. And so we shape that in into this whole nonviolent posture uh, principle with the purpose used the, one of the biggest buzzwords these days is de-escalation and mm-hmm. we've been using de-escalation since the 80s as a term but now it's it's you know during this whole fucking defund the police era and all that shit uh it's, it's <laughs> yeah. uh, is de-escalation de-escalation but that's always been the case you, you we should you know we used to call it for you guys it would be negotiation hey listen mm-hmm. here's what's going to happen if the, if you don't give back, you know, this hostage, right there, like there was an, an, an implied, if there was a negotiator or in a SWAT team and a hostage rescue, but the whole de-escalation is like, I mean, that's the more ethical legal thing to do. And the Trojan horse nonviolent posture supports that. So if the defuse does work, it works. And then if you're suddenly you're, you're in that moment where you're talking to a person, you realize this verbal, these verbal tactics are not working we're going to go you're in the you're in the optimal position to 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 start yeah yeah it sets you up for success and uh and your most your adversaries will be unwitting to it which is which is beautiful right um except for now because we're releasing the whole strategy (laughs) now now we're fucked and the ten thousand people you train per year man right yeah make them sign non-disclosures more with founder of BTS, Blauer Tactical Systems, after the break. Okay, so let's, you've mentioned it a couple times, and I've always found it interesting, and that is the, uh, that, that startle flinch piece. And um, 
you know, once again, I included it in the book because it's so freaking important to understand the foundation to your system. And I remember you gave me the example. If you're in your closet and something falls down or is falling out of the top shelf, what is the natural response? Your hands go up to protect your head and you kind of look away or push away the danger. Or if your buddy scares the shit out of you and you walk around a corner, same thing. Your hands go up to protect your, your computer system and, and basically gets your head and your body out of danger. Um, so let's walk through that startle flinch and kind of educate people on, uh, on the science behind it. Sure. So we'll, we'll start off nerdy. Uh, what I'm basically teaching people who, who, who truly want to understand uh, how to uh, enhance their survivability is I'm teaching them about the neurobiology of survival. So your body at a physiological level, at a non-conscious level, will, will uh, affect this flinch response to protect, as you said, the computer, the command center, our head. If you see somebody on the ground getting the shit kicked out of them by two, three people, they're always in this position and we go, oh, you know, they're covered up in this kind of like fetal position. But it's very specific. They're trying to get small. And the most important thing they're covering is their head. And at an unconscious level, that individual knows if I get kicked in the head and I'm unconscious, I have no chance. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the whole startle flinch is part of the body's cross extensor reflex, right? Where the body recoils and pushes away danger. Interestingly, enough and there's a when we in our in our train the trainer program we we draw some quotes and language out of some books on neuroanatomy and neuroscience and 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 stuff like that so so there's a real like white paper level information this just isn't you know uh uh uh, you know some new martial art with a cool acronym this is is truly the physiology the biomechanics the kinesiology and the psychology that ties it together but the startle response happens in your brain and then if that if that if that uh, uh, neural program continues, there's the flinch response. So we see the flinch element in the body, and I basically summed it up like this. And this is literally from 1988 when we first started uh, um, kind of documenting it. Uh, when it, when any stimulus is introduced too quickly, the body uh, 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 re- you know reacts with the start of flinch response. Mm-hmm. So you could be out flipping burgers, Clint, and you turn to ask, you know, a buddy, hey, medium rare, you want cheese or whatever. And just as you turn, a butterfly comes flitting by your face. You'll go, hey, man, fuck, right? You'll, there'll be a micro flinch, but you threat discriminate right away. You see it's <laughs> a butterfly, your brain goes butterfly. And then all your friends are laughing because you flinch and you're like, hey, fuck you, man. Now, five minutes later, <laughs> yeah. five minutes later, you go, hey, Tony, uh, cheese. And as you turn, uh, you're, you're, for some reason, you're barbecuing under a tree, which is really unsafe, right? Because of the flames and all that. A spider, <laughs> a spider hanging from a spider web comes down. You don't see it. But as you turn, now there's something in your peripheral vision. You pick it up. It's a spider. You're going to flinch the exact same way as the butterfly. But now you got the spatula in your hand. You go, ah, fuck. And now you do like a back fist you know, to the, to the spider get away because you recognize it's a threat. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that, those two visuals make sense? So oh, yeah. it, could be, it could be a butterfly or a spider. 
the initial reaction is identical. The brain threat discriminates, and then it decides, I'm safe, I'm unsafe, and then it starts to move. So um, in the 80s, like 86, 87, I was doing a, uh, like a drill that we, we lovingly referred to as the sucker punch drill, <clears throat> where you would start to really explore this. You started at close quarters. Uh, one person had on 16 ounce boxing gloves on all you had is a mouth guard on <clears throat> and you couldn't do anything other than learn to react and appreciate the start of flinch. And it was a, a real weaning drill because what you wanted to do uh, is fight during it. But I'd stand there and like my, the first guy I did this with a real good boxer, this kid named Warren and uh you're standing and he'd come up and we said, you'd always have to start a scenario. Boss wants his money. Uh, hey, uh, hey, give me your wallet, whatever it is. And then you had to go into it. And this is, let me just step out of, of the story for a second and, and talk about self-defense in real life. Everything's a scenario. One of the, as a consultant for and uh, martial arts and self-defense instructors all around the world, when I'm, when I'm coaching coaches on how to better prepare their students, I tell them the biggest mistake that most people make is they start from the attack, like how to get out of a headlock, what to do if somebody throws a punch, what to do if somebody has a gun. And, and I go, those are valuable skills, but it's in the pre-fight stages that people lose their shit. That's where the yeah. fear happens. That's where the self-doubt happens. So if you can't clear the fear in pre-fight, you may be creating a bigger problem for yourself in the fight. And so, yeah. so it's, it's that, that pre-fight, what we call D1, detect and avoid D2, diffuse and de-escalate. Anyways, um, this is important because to understand the sucker punch drill, I didn't just say to Warren, throw a punch. And we ended up like moving around like this. And I'm trying to, it was, he'd say, Hey, the boss wants the money. And I'd go, Hey man, I need another week. I'll, I'll have it soon. Whack. He'd throw a shot. If I can get you to talk and think I can change your reaction time. And so that was the discovery. And what that would do, Clint, is if I got if if I say if I said, OK, Clint, pretend we're live, uh, go ahead, throw throw a jab at me. Right. And I go, oh, <laughs> I, I, I slipped that. So yeah. I'm going to throw a jab at you and, and you slip it when I move at you. Ready? And so there you move. I think I yeah. hit you there is a little slow. <laughs> but, but if I go if I now if I do this, we'll do the same thing again but it's going to be a jab or a cross. Now watch this. You pick if I should throw a jab or a cross. You tell me which one you prefer. Uh, cross. Okay. I just threw a punch, right? Two punches. But um, first of all, and just so anyone uh, watch, I don't know how you guys are framing, if it's the speaker view or both on the same time. Um, but did you notice your reaction time when you went across eh, and I, st I stood up slowly again and punched, you didn't even move. And it's not because of the Zoom delay. It's because, dude, what the fuck? Like your brain's going, we we're just having a conversation. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. But you understand? So if, I, if, I, yeah. if I'm in front of you and I say, look, man, you and I can't fight. There's three reasons why. Number one, I'm a hemophiliac. You know what that means? Boom. And I fire a shot. Your brain has already said at the end of when he gets to three, I'm going to knock this fucker out. Right. Right. So, yeah. so how does this tie into explain startle flinch is... The start of flinch happens when our conscious cognitive situational awareness has been compromised. I'll say that again. How important in your in in, in life now, but in your previous profession was situational awareness? 
Oh, I mean, it's everything. It's, right. Yeah. Right. No awareness, no chance. That's right. Right. So, so we would tell people, you know, you got to have awareness, uh, like situational awareness. But if situational awareness was the only thing that kept operators safe, law enforcement safe, self-defense experts safe, then nobody would ever get ambushed. But that's right. But lots of people get ambushed. So how's that possible? And when they're ambushed, there's always a start of flinch. You're walking down the street and rounds go whipping by your head. There's always a fuck. You don't go to immediate action until you start a flinch. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't get that. Yeah. There, there are people out there, and I'll, I'll just step out of context for a second. Uh, there are people who think this whole start of flinch system is bullshit, you know, and and uh, uh, and it's weird because it's part of your physiology that's a hundred thousand year old part of your DNA, and it's what kept our ancestors alive. We've just figured out how to weaponize it. Why you would? It's like having a fucking organic airbag. You, if you jump to the screen right now, I'm not going to do wax on, wax off. I'm going to go fuck, right? And that the expression of power, cord extremity that comes out of that, it's like it's like an organic airbag. And it doesn't matter if you're jujitsu or krav or spear or boxing, we all flinch the same way. So, um, the the discovery happened in the '80s, and I was like initially very interested and confused as to why my Wing Chun, my boxing, my Taekwondo, all my other stuff was circumvented. And here's the answer. I said it a bit earlier. Situational awareness is conscious cognitive. You got to be awake and you got to be smart. You got to know what to look for. So if you don't know what to look for, you don't notice the guy wearing the trench coat with a hoodie walking in and everyone else is in fucking Hawaiian shirts and you're going, what the fuck? right where yeah. a good security guy goes okay there's something wrong with that guy and you start to spot the anomaly and hopefully you're trained and you make some shit happen um so when when situational awareness is compromised your body's uh a reactive brain kicks in so a guy walks up to you and you're going what the fuck's this what the fuck's this holy shit and then the guy moves you want this to happen you want that startle flinch to happen, but you want to learn to convert it. So that's really what it is. It's the neurobiology of survival. We we figured out how to create really cool drills so that you can synthetically experience this in a in a in a safe training environment. And the goal of it is just to improve perception speed and decrease reaction time while being honest about vulnerability. That if 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 just physical skill and saying head on a swivel was all we needed, nobody would ever get captured and nobody would ever get sucker punched. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Spot on. And I, I believe it. I don't know why anybody would actually discount it. It doesn't make sense to me when dude, dude, there's lots. And it's funny. That's one of my fatal flaws is I, you know, when I was 20, I got asked what I want to do uh, uh, by a venture capitalist. And I said, I want to make the world safer. And he went, well, is that a little grandiose? And I said, why? Like, that's been my mission to make the world safer. So my fatal flaw is I want everyone to like this and get it because mm -hmm. it's it's the equivalent. Literally, it's it's a metaphoric organic airbag. Airbags save lives. That's like saying, I don't want an airbag in my car. Right. You don't need an airbag because you're a good driver. You need an airbag because somebody else is a bad driver. That's right. right? And, yep. and, 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 and so I look at the accident in the street 
is like the sucker punch in the street. You're sitting at a light minding your own business and somebody's texting or falls asleep at the wheel or driving drunk. They hit you. You want that airbag to deploy so you don't mm-hmm. go through the fucking windshield or have the steering column crush you. Uh, you want that airbag to deploy. And right. so the same thing here is I don't want it. I don't want to look like this in a fight. Uh, you, know, you know, I don't want me to cover a black belt going. Uh, right. So the <laughs> ego doesn't want to do this. But it's a fucking airbag in, in a metaphoric accident. And the street fight should be looked at as a metaphoric accident. Yeah. Yep. And you're using some of the same analogies I give as it relates to the element of surprise is that is you can have your seatbelt on a full tank of gas and doing everything right and still get T-boned as you cross that intersection because the element of surprise is always there no matter how much you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, too, is our, as much as we compare our brains to computers, they're not. They can't aggregate all the information in an environment and then put it in all the right folders and then, oh, yeah, figure out, okay, which what's good, what's bad right now, you know, especially if it's in your peripheral blind spot or behind you. So you have to respect the element of surprise regardless of how situationally aware you you are or you think you are. Yeah. You brought up, you brought up something. I just want to insert this here. Yeah. You know, our brain is a computer and computers can't even you can't even build a computer that can do what the brain does. But what's different from AI is we have emotions. And mm. when you get a fear spike, it immediately sets off a, a, a sequence of doubt and hesitation. And that's the big difference. Like a, a computer yeah. car will respond more quickly because of those different like that that metaphor you're using i just want your listeners to think about this that that a sudden fear spike creates doubt doubt creates hesitation <clears throat> if you don't train for that conversion uh you're eating up time while you're going what the fuck what the fuck shit right yeah so that's that's the between artificial intelligence and, <clears throat> and, and and a person is we need to recalibrate yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. You're in there you're like you're pretty good at at, at uh, 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 reloads, right? Not reloads, but uh, clearing malfunctions. Every right. every offers, but you would never go into a gunfight hoping for a fucking double feed or a stovepipe because you're good at clearing. <laughs> no, like, not at all. Right. So, so just because you're good at clearing malfunctions, but that's the whole thing. You want to you're getting in there and you're moving and you go fuck and you and you do your you do your 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 fucking you know, uh, fix as, as soon as possible, but you don't want it to happen. This is the same thing with what we're doing. When we analyze fear, fear spike, start a flinch. We want to clear it like a malfunction, but we don't want it to happen. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, that's why we train, you train, 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 um, in order to survive the real world events you might face. And hopefully you never face, hopefully you never have to use any of this stuff. Uh, but it's better to know it than not. Um, Okay, rolling on to you and the things you got going, right? So you've got online stuff, you've got seminar in-person stuff, you've got gear. Kind of take us through your portfolio of offerings. Probably the the thing I do most frequently right now, which is which is uh, if you had told me if you had told me two years ago that I'd be teaching five days a week on Zoom. Uh, uh, <laughs> not happening but i was using uh, uh cisco webex and skype way before zoom was even a, a company so we've got a whole affiliate program where I've, i i we have a program since 19 
or not uh, 2000, I don't know, it's, it's, it's over 20 years old, where we train instructors in how to use our our fear management research from the No Fear program, how to do ballistic microfights, which non-kinetic, short explosive scenarios, how to use high gear properly. So we've got this whole system on, you could be Kung Fu, you could be Krav, you can be Jiu Jitsu, you can be a, a Muay Thai, it doesn't matter. A lot of these instructors want to also bring street realistic uh, uh, scenarios for their students. Um, and so we've been doing that uh, forever. So I was very comfortable communicating like this, but when the lockdown happened, most of, most of my business was always live and in person, Clint. And yeah. it was like, oh, you know, so our, our, our two, ver there are two main verticals in, in, in my training company are, is uh, the high gear sales and, and the in-person training. All of that stopped a couple of years ago. So there was a, a day where I was sitting here going, huh, okay, I'm going to lose everything I've ever built in the last 30 years it's like, <laughs> yeah. where I'm going through my Rolodex going, is there a fear management expert I can talk to? What the fuck? Like <laughs> I gave myself 24 hours to, to weep and moan. And then I, and then all the, you know, the, then it was within three months, we had four new websites, a whole, a whole online program, digital stuff. And I started, I started teaching. It was, it was crazy. So, you know, I've been teaching now 43 years. And, uh, and, and you know, all the communities that I, I, I work with and I put an email out to everybody. I said, look, a lot of you can't train with me. Can't ask me questions because of geography, because of finances, we're all stuck in the same boat here. Who'd be interested in, in getting together, uh, on zoom and going through training and hundreds of people fucking answered. And I was back in business. It was amazing. You know? Yeah. That's the pivot, the pivot that everybody had to do. Yeah. And so. But now, you know, we're out teaching again. We've got a course next week. We, uh, we just finished a course in Europe. We just, we're all over again. Um, but I haven't stopped this. Like mm -hmm. my wife uh, just said, hey, like, are you going to stop the garage gym? Are you going to back off? Are you gonna... I go, I fucking love it. This is my canvas. I, mm -hmm. This is all, when I was 15, my mom asked me what I'm going to, you know, what I'm going to do if I'm going into the family business. I said, mom, I'm going to be a famous martial artist like Bruce Lee. I'm going to do my own self-defense system. And she pat me on the head, Clint, and said, okay, dear, we'll talk about this when you're older. <laughs> I, I knew when I was a teenager, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So, you know, when I closed my school back in like 1993 and began just doing seminars, so I was a lot of people don't realize if you do some history, I've been doing, I've been on the road doing seminars long before it was fucking cool. And we didn't have, you know, right. it was it. So, so uh, I, the, the biggest thing that I do right now, as far as the portfolio is I teach five days a week on zoom. We got two programs for that are open enrollment. Anybody can come in. Uh, they're they're ridiculously uh, uh, well priced for people, like at six bucks a class, which is ridiculous, because uh, you know what I charge units and organization. <laughs> yeah, and stuff. But I love to do it. You know, I uh, it's 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 funny. I said to you after we filmed our thing, because it, it was just starting up. I'm down like 17 pounds from when when we trained. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, thanks for noticing, by the way. Yeah, uh, you look beautiful. Thank you. Black. Um, You're wearing black, so it's hard I to did, tell. I, did. You know? I specifically put that on. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I'm working out every day again, and I'm and I'm teaching every day. So the, the the most exciting thing is that then we also created 
uh, a train to trainer uh, program on, on how to proper nomenclature, proper uh, uh, teaching design, class design. We've put 200 people through that and there's a live program where we do force on force. So in from the training side, and we've got, of course, all of our law enforcement military training, uh, depending on where you live in the world, you, you know, because there, there are some places that are still restricted or locked down. Um, but we've got we've got that going and we've got digital uh you know uh assets we've got you know a bunch of courses and about 40 you know uh instructional videos online and and of course our our high gear which is you know picked up again selling uh selling uh uh, uh quite a bit uh people recognize that that so the high gear as you said earlier in in the show it's an impact reduction design is special foams but it's it's a full body suit that weighs like less than 10 pounds so when you put it on your role player moves at real speed i mean and and it's not really big and puffy uh so so you're not you're not building tactics around the bulk of the gear you still yeah. move in to make contact you've used it you've you you, you yeah smash the shit out of it and you know it was back actually ironically 1993 is when we launched it and the group that launched it was naval special warfare cornatum the yeah. advanced combat training group were the, were the ones that uh, uh gave us our first big order yeah that's cool and i remember we put that stuff on at least uh got like three or four times a year to do all the different combatives as we rolled through you know the different kinds of instructors, as you know, we've had, uh, <laughs> we've had our selection of, uh, interesting combatives guys, uh, come through the system or, you know, get the contract. And you sometimes stand there going, how did this guy get the contract? <laughs> Who did he know? <laughs> right. Well, it's all, it's, it's, it's yeah. usually that I've never, yeah. you know, we, we don't have to spend time talking about that, but we're just, no. I do, I do get like these different organizations that, and you could see they're like gun shy from past experiences. And I go, look, I don't care who you train with. I'm flattered that you called me. My yeah. job, my job is just to enhance your survivability. Let's talk. That's right. So no, that's good. Don't compete. Do this. Don't train with anyone else. It's yeah. It's, it's a little little ridiculous. Um, okay. Well, that's a lot of good stuff. I know we can go on. I mean, I literally have you know an entire section in the book dedicated to you. I know you've got novels of uh, experience and knowledge to share. So we'll save it for those that want to go sign up for any of uh, Tony's courses and stuff. Um, we'll hit all of his contact information, but first we have to go through a hypothetical scenario uh, just for you, Tony. So are you ready? See if you can uh, survive this podcast. I don't know. Oh shit. Oh, <laughs> oh my connection. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. God, I can't hear you anymore. <laughs> I gotta go. My mom's calling me. More with podcast host of No Fear, Tony Blower, after the break. All right, here we go. Uh, you've been paid to speak at an event on the East Coast here in uh, good old USA. After the event, you are dropped off in front of your hotel, okay? As you walk towards the entrance, two men exit a vehicle that is behind you. Before you can turn around and look, the two men grab you from behind. They sweep your legs and all three of you tumble to the ground, all right? The last place you wanna be. 
you end up face down, which I heard you like, mm-hmm. with one of the guys using his knee to secure your head and neck. <laughs> I know you were getting excited there for a second. Right, there's, there's um, probably were locking eyes or something. <laughs> the second guy had pulled your arms and bound you, okay? Yeah. He takes zip ties out of his pocket, okay? So he's got your arms behind you locked up. I got it. Yeah, thanks, yeah. man. Okay, you are face down and your arms are... Uh, already behind you. Do you a press your palms together at thumb level, open your hands and flex your wrist back, or b twist and jerk your body and try to escape the two guys? Are we going to an orgy, or is this like I mean? <laughs> I know that's what you're wanting. I thought about making this yeah. uh, a little yeah. more perverted uh, for you. So the like i thought you were going to ask me like like how do i survive that assault i I want to create space in my hands and hopefully the guy's not really smart and doesn't understand so that i've got some wiggle room if i need to escape after that's right a is correct um you know sometimes we have to kind of sort of give in in varying forms to our assailant especially if you lack the skill sets but the one thing that everyone can take away from these scenarios is that you know, getting big, creating gaps, create slack later, whatever the restraint is, so that you can hopefully escape it. Um, and that's ultimately the reason why, uh, you know, flexing your wrists a certain way or pushing your, you know, your thumbs. If I'm looking down, you know, it's all, it's magic. It's it, That's really what it is. It's Houdini stuff. You know, it looks like your hands are together, but really they're not. And that's your goal is create these little evolutions, get big, create slack so that you can get out later. Um, so they end up zip tying your hands. Okay. More. Okay, go on. Oh, yeah. Uh, they get you up off the ground and assist you into the trunk of their vehicle. The vehicle begins to move. Do you A kick out the brake lights or B kick up as hard as you can on the trunk. Well, I, I would, um, dig a tunnel back through the back seat, even though using, (laughs) I would kick out the brake lights, brake lights. Yes. And it's important to know the newer, newer model cars, you really can't do this anymore. Older model cars, you can mainly because the entire frame of the vehicle, uh, you just can't kick the frame out, you know, uh, the way that you, or the way that, the way that you used to be able to kick lights out. But if you can, you should. Um, and then not to mention once you're in a trunk, uh, and if you haven't been in a trunk, you should get in a trunk so that you know what it feels like and, and the amount of space that you are lacking, thinking that you're going to somehow rear your legs back and kick a trunk open you're just not, you're not even going to be able to get your knees or feet up to begin with. So it just kind of goes out the window. Um, the car slows to, uh, so anyway, you're in the trunk, you notice a roll of duct tape, a bobby pin and a can of compressed air, the kind you use to clean your keyboards. All right. The car slows to a stop and the assailants get out. You hear them greet a dog. Then it sounds like they walk away from the vehicle. With the kidnappers gone, for now, you continue to try to escape. Your hands are still zip-tied behind you. So do you A, roll on your side or roll on your stomach? 
I, I, I'd be on my side. Your side, yeah. Rolling on your stomach, once again, is, is pretty difficult inside of a trunk. And it does you no good. Being on your side gives you a little more range of motion um, and allows you to repos- reposition your hands to where you can slip them down past your ass, okay, unless you've got a big butt. Um, then down the back of your hamstrings uh, to the back of your knees, and then you're going to pull your knees up to your chest, and boom, now your hands went from your back to your front. Now, this is difficult. It's not easy, and it's going to hurt, right? You're probably going to cut your wrists, not so that you bleed out, but it's definitely going to be painful. Um, but getting your hands to the front of you as soon as possible is very important in these situations. Okay, now, with your wrists in front of you, you have a better chance of defeating the restraint. So, next, do you A, bite through the zip ties, or B, use one of the objects you saw in the trunk to defeat them? Uh, I would use the object in the trunk. Yeah. What would you pick? Uh, Do you remember? I've got the the, uh, bobby pin, the the duct tape. I couldn't try and just snap out of them with my fucking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Look at my hands free. There's some shit you can do with the duct tape to create some friction. Yep. And you can also use the bobby pin, which is a little easier. Um, the bobby pin basically just it, it it becomes a shim. Okay. And, you're, and and if anybody take take your time someday, those of you listening, take zip ties and look at how mechanically they work. It's 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 ridiculous. There's a little flap of plastic mm. that you know is basically serving as a gate and then on along the entire side of the uh, zip tie are like these little notches or teeth. And so the gate goes click, 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 click into all these little teeth. So all you got to do is get the bobby pin between the gate and the teeth. And all of a sudden, the, these, these makeshift handcuffs just, you know, basically undo themselves. Um, do that manipulating like this or? Yeah. Yeah. It's a pain. It's a pain in the ass. You manipulate a little bit. You can also find sharp edges inside the trunk. And um, like you mentioned, either friction or, or. Yeah, more destructive routes, for sure. Um, so while, and also biting, biting may work, but if you've got those big gauge uh, yeah. zip ties, forget it. They're going to break your teeth on those things. Okay, so now your hands are free. <laughs> Find the car jack or B, kick and push, you know, ferociously on the trunk lid and car seat to try and find a way out. Car seat or the back of the car seat? Yeah, um, I'm hoping I'm in a just a, a station wagon at this point here, and I can be <laughs> in a hatchback at a window. Yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah, um, um, geez, I don't know how reliable the carjack is. I've I've never taken the scenario this far. This is my heart is racing listening to this. I, I, know, I can see you're sweating. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I think my first instinct would be to try and uh, kick out the car seat, the back seat. Yeah, that that is not a wrong answer. Uh, but for this scenario, we're going to talk about the car jack because most people don't think about that. It's right. uh, there's usually a car jack in every vehicle. It's either under you or it's in the side panels. 
either at your feet or at your head. Yep. You pull it out, you start cranking away, and it's going to pop the trunk. Right? It's a it's a it's a great way to escape. Um, that's and great. that's great, man. Kicking the back seats down is good, but it's noisy. Right? It's a pretty right. noisy thing to do. And with a dog and with some of the things you're surrounded by, you're at a complete stop and you're in front of what you think is probably the bad guy's like destination. Um, be you know, yeah, you want to be probably a little more quiet than kicking seats, uh, but it's not wrong. And so you work that you work that jack and then boom, the trunk pops open. OK, so do you a run like hell or B take the objects with you that you saw in the trunk just in case? Wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, <laughs> maybe a combo, both. <laughs> there you go. B, take the objects with you. And move, yeah. That's right. And uh, yeah, because one of the things that you have is that compressed air. Um, and so you can uh, use that uh, to your advantage. So you've got the compressed air, you've got the duct tape, you've got your bobby pin trunk is open you jump out and then they're standing in front of you is the german shepherd okay and he's just looking at you he's showing teeth and so do you a throw the can of air at the dog and run or b turn the can over okay upside down and then spray the freezing cold air at the dog's face i'm doing b that's right. And I don't know. You're a dog lover. I know yeah. when I was there, you kept you kept reminding me, hey, hey, dude, this dog over here, this dog, they're kind of, you need to get them, they needed to get used to me. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the tricks, uh, if we came across uh, a target that was occupied by an animal, then you get that door open slightly and you're looking for that nose you're looking for those teeth and then you use that compressed air upside down it's a cold fog it freezes their little wet noses um and they tend to run off and go find something better to to fuck with um so that's what you do you freeze the little doggy's nose it's nothing permanent it's not inhumane uh, but it works and um so as you round the corner all right as you as you move around you got the dog away from you and uh, as you round the corner, one of the assailants is pointing a gun at your chest. Okay. Do you A, kick him in the nuts, or B, basically trap the weapon? Okay. Pivot, trap, and grab it. We're, we're obviously within arm's reach. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Never, never be in front of the little hole. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, B, you're going to kind of pivot your body out of the way of the barrel and trap the weapon with your hands the best you can. With the gun trapped, a struggle ensues. So, do you A, yank forward to strip the gun away, or B, control it and drive the barrel towards the enemy's chest? Uh, can I uh, back up for one second? Sure. The last second when 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 Clint said, "Get your body out of the way and move the and then trap the gun." Yes. <clears throat> just want to just want to say to everybody, move your hands first as you're doing that. Yeah. Because your your body will never move, but your hands will. So when you do that, hands and body, because hands simultaneous. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and but but if you stepped and then moved your hands, the guy will track. 
with you if he means to shoot you. And but B is the second answer. You want to drive in. You want to control that weapon and knock this fucker off balance. That's right. Control and drive towards their chest or what also works is straight up, like just getting that gun offline and away from you is the ultimate goal. Um, but maintaining control of the weapon is also your primary primary yeah. goal as well. And once you've got it, don't let it go. So then you strip the gun. Now that you have his weapon and command him onto his knees, do you A, take two steps in and uh, go ahead and muzzle strike the guy right with the with your with the, with his weapon uh or take two steps in with a hard punch to his uh to his chin uh and trying to get that knockout with a fist right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i'm probably uh, uh really pissed at this moment so i'm gonna muzzle strike him yeah, there you go. I figure a muzzle strike because what the other option is, is to de-escalate totally and just keep them at gunpoint and back away and disappear into the darkness, right? Yeah, I mean, if we're, if, if this was, again, like the magic question, what is the scenario, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, you might be in a situation where you, you need to shoot the guy. So, uh, that's right. In, in those two, in those two options, uh, Remember, this ironically ties back to your question of palm versus fist, that if I pull the weapon off him and go hit him and break my hand and there's other people and I got to fight. So yeah, I got if I got to render this guy quiet, helpless, uh, you know, quick little muzzle strike. Can't That's right. Well, and the way I see it, as soon as you have a weapon in your hand, that becomes your new fist. That becomes your new palm. There's no reason not to use it. I mean. But why not, right? Um, so yes, you, my friend, Tony Blower has survived this podcast. Just good job, buddy. Good oh, job. <laughs> I can I see you. Tell you. I will tell you, my physiology changed uh, uh, during that because I was really trying to imagine all of those those things, and that's and and uh, it was pretty dramatic. Good job. <laughs> well, we, the goal is always to allow our re our listeners, I was going to say readers, um, our listeners to just learn everyone's point of view. You obviously bring a lot of experience and knowledge of the game and you embedded that into your answers, which is that's it. That's what we want. We want those answers and people's reasoning, their logic. Um, and you did a good job. And so before we go, let's talk about all the places that uh, people can find you, uh, sign up for your courses, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you can find me on Instagram, you probably have to type in my entire name because I am. They'll warn you. Do you want to follow this guy? <laughs> and you do. <laughs> yes, uh, you do. Um, but I've got, you know, Tony Blower on Instagram, sphere.system. Uh, and if you go to any one of those pages, it'll take you to the other pages. I'm interested in the high gear. I'm interested in the no fear. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever, whatever social media you're, you're on, you know, I'm there just Google, uh, you know, Tony Blower. Those are the, those are the main, uh, things. And, um, uh, yeah. Perfect. So there you go. Uh, you can check them out, Tony Blauer, and that's B-L-A-U-E-R. Uh, or you can Google, uh, Spear. Uh, capital S-P-E-A-R uh, system. Yeah, you're going to find him. He's everywhere. Tony, thanks again for coming on the show. I really do appreciate your knowledge, experience, and everything you bring uh, bring to bear in order to create a safer world, buddy. 
thank you for your service, man. It's an honor to know you. And, and this is, this is a lot of fun. Thanks. Clint. No, thank you. And Hey, like always keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest. And we'll talk to you next time. Can you survive? This podcast is a production of Calvary audio and iHeartMedia. recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas, produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson.